if I had to fucking see a monkey fucking bend a string for like six hours, I could see some Asian kid on YouTube fucking going for it, man. At six years old, why do I need to see an aging Bengali fucking doing that and like thinking it's fucking like the blues, man? It's not. Making people feel, making people have a memory, a moment. That's what a song is. That's what a piece of music is, you know. Men are cheating, losing fucking idiots, okay? And, you know, the women have been like put into such a place where they have to be accepting. Love is something, okay? And sex is something else. I don't fucking belong to the East Side, West Side. I can barely fucking you like eat my rice. My, I'm Bengali. I eat fish fucking <laughs> in the afternoon. You think I fucking like have hoes, bitches and like fucking gold chains around? No. We don't do what we do because it's work. We do it because it's our drug. It's, it's an addiction. If I set it up for you would you promise it be true if I had a point of view? Why would I? Why do 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 I go round and round and round? Woo! Woo! So that right there is a live acoustic version of our theme song. Originally sung by our next guest, Anando Sen and his band at the time, the Supersonics. Feels weird for me to call him Anando, and so I will refer to him as I have known him since the age of eight, Mamshi. Super excited to have him on, probably my oldest and closest friend in the world. Man, we've been through our share of ups and downs, of fights and fallouts. But here we are, 30 years later, <laughs> still hanging on by a thread. And I tell you, anyone who hasn't yet heard the music of the Supersonics, I can say without any hint of bias, and I'm sure I'll get some comments for this, but the best Indian rock band to come out of the scene ever, and I'm willing to argue that case to any taker. This guy has been there and done that and written the damn song and has some stories to tell. I've been there as one of their biggest groupies and witnessed my fair share of chaos and mayhem along with them. We're going to discuss the Indian music scene in general and talk about why things are so fucked for Indian artists. Music is perhaps the purest form of expression that exists. Whether we're going through a devastating breakup, at a morning rave, or singing passionately with your mates at a football match, it's always music that is the one unifying factor. The thing that we all depend on to really get us through, to lift us up, to drive us on. Yet why do musicians have it so tough? Why are so many killing themselves every day, breaking their backs, making music with their blood, sweat and tears when the industry and we as general treat them so badly? Joining me once again by unpopular demand is my producer Shanks, who just because that one time in Goa when that band was taking a break and he decides to hijack the microphone and scare off the remaining three people in the bar, he thinks he's uniquely qualified to get in on the conversation. Oh well. Here we are. We might even get a bit of a cameo from our brilliant artist, Rinalini, who's also floating about in the background. All right, looking forward to keeping things freewheeling and random. And to get things kicked off, I've got a gin and tonic. And I think Shanks and Mamshi, Rinalini have all got their drinks as well. So we might get a bit smashed halfway through this. As long as it's not a dirge. <laughs> as long as it's not a dirge. <laughs> 
that's when shanks will take over actually shanks why don't you just take over already man get things started man i have a uh, no words literally have no words but so happy to be on this uh, mamshi manalni welcome to the potty welcome to why do i named after your famous song well you know it's so strange i've never heard jala say so many nice things in one breath about me in 30 plus years <laughs> mamshi mamshi is now live, living out his uh, semi retirement in goa that's where i was spending some time with them a few weeks ago working on his solo music with one of the greatest music producers this world has seen so what's going on man what's happening with all of that right so now? firstly yeah you should have him on the show instead of me because actually he has way better stories to tell you but yeah i mean and that's mithi adhikari we're talking about look him up everyone from the foo fighters to nirvana to red hot chili peppers He's been there, done that, produced yeah, it all. He's also man. really old, so <laughs> proper, proper legend. And we definitely hope to get him on one of these podcasts soon. But um, I'm semi-retired. I'm I'm working on an album. It's a solo album, but it's not really solo because I actually have a whole all the cats in India kind of playing on it. It's more like it's me and all the great musicians of India kind of there. So, like, could you give us some names? Oh, uh, it's. everyone the who's who you know we have rakshit i'm doing one track with him rakshit as in yorchin yeah yorchin sky rapper lovely love him i've got like the supersonics guys the ritnellos guys i've got you know just just a lot of uh, but how how you how do you do it how does it work remotely man like isn't it a whole different ball game like music is for a band to be together jam play off each other how does that work So that's that's basically been like the reason why this so L O W low album has taken <laughs> like so long is because I've kind of struggled with that one. I've always like you know played music with other musicians and even before the pandemic and stuff like you know I had to get used to the fact that you know doing a band means it's a commitment by four people saying they're going to put their lives their careers into this one thing that's a huge amount of commitment and for very little return and i learned the hard way with the ritnellos that that doesn't work up to a certain point because people need money to survive musicians need money they have to pay rents and all of that shit so and then you you have to then resort to the machines which is like you know playing with a computer and that's not nearly as hard as rewarding at least for me and the process also gets way harder because the machine only does what you tell it to do it doesn't have a point of view you know why do i <laughs> so but like so i started it post the ritnellos breakup and it kind of that that got to me so i stopped and then you know meethi's kind of been hammering it into me that i need to just put it out and finish it so i've started redoing it and the way i'm doing it is kind of like you know yes i'm playing with machines and stuff but then i just i just do the canvas and like the backbone of the song with machine and then i send it out to all these guys and let them have a good time with the song and then we pick the best parts or the most most appropriate parts and put that in and it's a it's a completely different way of making music but i mean i think a lot of musicians who are making their own music right now 
have to do it like that because you can't be holed up in a little sweaty practice pad, jamming out and working on ideas. And so, you know, that's a bit demotivating also because the process is a little like boring. I mean, if you have ever had to like perform a gig together, would you guys be able to get in a room and be able to play that song that you guys have played in different no, parts? So, no, in all likelihood, no. And that's, that, that's actually the biggest problem. So like, if I actually had to play all these songs live, it'd be really hard. I mean, I would need a bunch of guys to sit and learn the, the songs and the parts. And then I'd have to sit and, you know, redo them a bit so that it's appropriate for a live kind of, because, you know, when you have like a computer to do your shit for you, you can like have 20 vocal tracks, 50 guitar tracks, harmonies, layers, and you can go a little berserk on that shit and overboard. But these are all things that like have really slowed my process down a bit. I mean, you've had a lot of things to like potentially demoralize you over your our, our friendship. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the one. That's the one thing holding it all together. Bro. That's the one thing. Together. <laughs> yeah, Do you have any words about Jala and your friendship? You've known him for thirty years. I've been working closely with him. I, I do have a good Jala story. My first real memory, okay, of him was so we were in the school called International School, where basically all these kids who were not born in India. And then they came back to India and India was like 30 years behind the rest of the world. So when I came back to India, there were like rickshaws on like Park Street, which is pretty much the Fifth Avenue of Calcutta. And there were no cars and there was no He-Man and no TV and all of that. And, and then I met Jala in school and he had like an American football and he had his birthday, his seventh or eighth birthday party where he invited the entire class to Victoria Memorial. And then like the snotty brat he was, he insisted that he bat throughout, even though he was bowled out like every time. And then my last memory is him having a tantrum, like crying and screaming that I want to bat more. It's my birthday. And like all the other kids were like, fuck, we're just pawns in this entire <laughs> happy, to t- happy to tell you nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. He just scolded me before we started recording <laughs> I got a I got a yelling for asking him to put the lights on. <laughs> yeah, he's become a little cranky also in his old age. So yeah, old Definitely. old age old age is getting us all cranky. Mamshi, in fact, is mellowing in his old age. Huh? I've seen the cranky days in Calcutta. No, that's Calcutta. That has nothing to do with age. See, Calcutta is a grown <laughs> fucking village, man. There's a crab mentality there. They're fucking. You live in that place for long enough. It's like a it's a prison that's pretending to be a city. Well, it lets you be an artist if you really want to. Yeah, because you have so much time. But it lets you be a failed artist because you ain't going nowhere from there. No, no. And, and that's obviously a good place to talk about is Calcutta because that's where you spend most of your years making music, performing. Yeah, that's my home. It is my home. The music scene in Cal. Look, for us growing up, what was the live music scene? It was someplace else at the park where you'd essentially have to play cover songs to get anywhere with the crowd. And then I think every band would every three or four say, songs try and shove their own original song in there and then the crowd is like oh man come on play Bon Jovi already yeah I agree but like also you have to remember Jala is like all those musicians that were playing cover bands they have been in very for instance Nandon has been in my books the greatest Indian band ever and which was high and he was doing that whole someplace else gig at post 
high post that time post when he started doing you know for me hip pocket is the first live band that i ever saw live gig i experienced they played everything all my favorite songs you know and that was my inspiration because i never had a chance to see the rolling stones live or the beatles live or any of them how old are you man fucking old man like you know <laughs> so but like that was my role model and those guys are actually the real cats because they never did it for fame they never did it for money they never they did it for the pure joy of making music okay and i connect to that i connect to that because we live in a day and age right now where it's all about selling yourself and getting your shit out there and presenting it all in the proper way there's no fucking proper way man if there was a proper way the rolling stones wouldn't exist they've written songs like under my thumb straight cat blues which is about you know having sex with an underage woman not woman girl okay you say those are necessarily good subjects no. really right so why about. not straight cat blues is the most sleazy I mean, it's, it's not about the subject it is it is about the subject it's about the freedom well, yeah it's about the ability to convey a message and having a musical feel to it which is sleazy enough and then you have this whole amazing sleazy rock and roll song stray cat blues is an amazing song even though it's pretty much talking about being a pedophile but that's what it is and you know what it's one of the greatest rock rolling stone songs ever and you i don't think it's possible to do that right now without being burnt you know on social media or by you know people who are like oh you're sexist or oh, you're racist Oh, you're feminist. It's, it's fucking boring, man. You put, you put, you put feminist in, 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 in you, clubbed, you clubbed it in with sex, sexist and racist. I mean, that's what it's all about. It's about the freedom to express. Look how I get rude. We were in the right place at the right time. I still think the Supersonics, when, when that happened, there was no real original music for 20, 30 years in India. Okay. And what... you know we always kind of at least when it comes to this stuff looked at the west and seen the west really produce all this great talent and you know as patriotic indians we'd like to say that we have something from here which we believe in which gives us that much joy and um makes us feel like that and there's a scene that's created around that and we were really we we were the first to do it at that point and i think we lucked out i don't think it has anything to do with the music so what is it when did you guys finally get your ticket out of calcutta what well, what was it i know when it started getting big so basically we started the band and for the first 4 years nothing happened we've actually like played we had a club gig and we brought all our amps and drums and set up in this club it was decent paying gig for back in the day and then we set up and everything and then it was a room with a little door and then this guy came in and he's like oh are you guys about to start so we were like yeah yeah we're ready to go man so he's like oh okay great and then he goes shuts the door locks the door from outside so no one can come and <laughs> you know so we were like fuck you know he's just going to be playing so we practiced for a bit and that was pretty much what it was like the first 3 years and then we started playing at this place in this place called Princeton Club and 
that pretty much kind of changed it, I think, because we also kind of got good. We were also pretty shit, really, at that time. But, but at this point, you still, you still, you're not, you weren't playing covers anymore. You're, still, you're playing original music by now. No, so the plan with the Supersonics was, because by that time, by the time the Supersonics started, we were kind of like all veterans in the cover music thing. We all were playing regularly in cover bands. And I was kind of fed up with, I wasn't fed up with it. I loved playing other people's songs and, you know, all of that, but I never saw a future in that. And and I also, I always wanted to play guitar and write songs and do all of that to express myself in the most, whatever, egotistical way you might say. But, you know, at the end of the day, a guitar is a tool, a voice is a tool. And if you're not going to like speak something that like resonates you and try and get it across, I mean, at the end of the day, you're just going to get bored. And I was bored of playing covers, man. You got to play the same songs the same way every time. You know, it, it, you become a machine. It, it jades, gets you jaded. It, it wasn't fun. So, you know, I took conscious decision that I'm not going to do covers anymore. It was at that point, it wasn't about because I hated covers. I just knew that if I took that stance at that point of time, I could actually progress with making my own shit. And so when we started off, you know, for the first six months, we didn't play a game. We just sat and rehearsed and locked in a jam room. Worked out, you know, the chemistry because at the end of the day, you can't just, no matter how good you are at your instrument, you can't pick up and immediately, because music is a conversation. When you're playing it, when you play a chord, someone reciprocates with another note or a groove. And, and that's how you build like a song you know and i love that process that is the process that drives me you know where you i have a, i have a song and the song is not really completely formed it's you know a melody a few words of chord progression and i'll take it and i've come with my preconceived ideas of what the song could be and then suddenly i have you know trouble playing a different groove you know and there's a low end with the bass and then, you know, Rowan would play some really nice guitar parts, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a great guitar player. And it was, it was amazing. Suddenly, you know, you're like, wow, I never thought of any of this shit. And suddenly you see a song is born, a sound is born, and the thought of moving forward is also born. And that's the magic. But, but was, the, was the movement magical to finally being yeah, able the, to release your music? Yeah, the first four years for me of Super Science when we had no money, no fame, no people were actually my most favorite years of being in a band. Because once things kind of got big, everything got a little fucked up to that, to be honest. From what I hear, you still are making too much money. I mean, and that's a discussion I want to get into. No, no, money, money and music, at least, you know, I sing in English, I write in English. There's no market for it in India. Let's face it. The amount of people who can really speak English in India is so small, okay, compared to the rest of the pop. You're, you're, you're targeting a niche of a niche, really, okay? And... Yeah, it was never about money anyway. But but no, of course not. But I mean, someone's making some money, right? I'm sure you signed on to a label. And you know, like, okay, yeah. Well, we signed to a label and yeah. Well, okay, so... So what, who did you sign with? What what label did you guys sign with? We signed with Saregama, which was a part of HMB. I think they bought over HMB or whatever. So yeah, this is a funny story because I thought like, I, I, I do want to talk about this, is that... 
at that point of time, we were in this place where we had a bunch of songs. We paid money out of our pockets to record demos, you know, try to hang out with the right people and give them our demos and be like, listen to it. Do you think it's good? Hook us up with the gig. Hook us up with someone who can give us money to do this a bit more. And, you know, now that really worked, okay? And then there was this whole initiative at that point by Saryagama HMB saying that we want to basically take every city, major city, and take like five of the great bands that they're doing and record a song of each and you release this as a compilation. Like a talent hunt compilation. Yeah, and you have to remember this is way before Facebook, Instagram. There's no social media. What 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 year was this? Uh, what what year are we talking about? Two thousand seven, two thousand six, maybe. Yeah, seven. I don't. Yeah, you know, like. I mean, it's it's a wonder that he can remember what he did last weekend, and you're telling him. That <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, because it's it's a bond for me because two thousand six, two thousand seven. I was hardcore into the rock and roll scene. I mean, I was moshing at iRock. Yeah, so you had iRock and all of that, but you know, but you never had access to music that you heard at iRock. You heard the band live, but you never had like a, and you had one GIR kind of CD compilation. But imagine like the expense for the bands to record that because then you couldn't record at home. You had to go to the studio, the PS studio, you got to hire the gear. It's a huge expense. Can you imagine 22 year old, 20, 22 year old kids like doing that? It's not, it's not, it's only the privilege can do sustainable. Yeah, it's not sustainable, but you know, we kind of, you know, put in all our like, you know, I remember I, 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 I saved, I spent all my savings just going down to Bombay to give a certain person <laughs> in a certain very high place <laughs> a demo of my CD. And he was like, yeah, I come and all. And then, you know, I stayed with Jala at that point and I kept going and he basically didn't fucking meet me and didn't even bother taking my CD. Uh-huh. And, you know, I spent all my money back then just to buy a plane ticket to come and do that. And it was hard, man. It was hard. But at the same time, because there was nothing else, you knew deep down that, man, the first person who really breaks this shit is going to win this game. And I have to say that was kind of what it was with us. You know, maybe the music's good. I don't know. I don't have an objective opinion about that. But I do think... I love the music. Well, thank you. I mean, you guys are friends and family. <laughs> can I can I rewind a little bit because before we get into the business and the and you know how dirty that whole thing is, the industry. I want to go back to like when you were a guitarist, right? And that was the first thing you learned to learn how to play the guitar. What was that sort of transformation to becoming a songwriter? When did you first realize you could do that? Because I have, I mean, I I can only imagine that feeling of writing that first song and coming together. That's probably like a feeling like no other, man, that you've written this. This is your baby. Yes, there is that. But for sure, that's a journey because I'll tell you why. At the end of the day, all songs are derived from your influences. Okay. And I can definitely pinpoint every song I've written, which song I was thinking of or inspired by. So the journey is you learn your instrument to a capable ability and then you you think of all the songs you love and then you think, oh, I like that riff. I like that melody, but I could do that better or make it something more. And the process starts from that. And it's not supposed to be played to other people. You just do it for yourself. And then the more you do it, 
you suddenly realize, oh, you know what? I can do, I don't need that stuff to refer to or be inspired by anymore. I have enough of a backlog of, um, because I've heard enough music now or I'm inspired enough to be able to like pull it out from there. I, I, that process is an unknown where a song idea comes from. It doesn't. It comes from literally sitting and strumming a chord, playing a riff or singing a lyric in different ways. And whenever it fits, it fits. Or It's not even about fits. Wherever it lets you move on to step two, I think that's the stepping point of a building of a song. <laughs> that's very cool. <laughs> <laughs> who, who, so who are those biggest influences when you started out? Uh, I mean, Bob Dylan for sure. The Beatles, John Lennon. Robert Hunter, who wrote all the lyrics and songs, most of them at least, not all, uh, for The Grateful Dead, The Rolling Stones. You know, I mean, I, it can even be 80s, cheesy. I love pop. I think that there's a problem in India right now, at least amongst the really skilled musicians, is that they feel they need to show their skill. But I feel that if you really want to connect with people, you need to connect on a basis of conveying a feeling. And to convey a feeling, you need skill, but you need a good fucking song, okay? It's, it's the canvas. It's like, you know, you can't put a, you know, D8 on a cycle and think that you're going to rip it. You're not, you know, it's not going to happen. The cycle's going to fail. You need to have a really good cycle for that shit to get to even, you know, a bigger kind of place. If you hear, I, I, I trip out on listening to all these outtakes, you know, Beatles have a lot of the stuff where these demos, you know, Lennon playing these demos, McCartney playing, and you can see how they build it. And it's really, it's so rudimentary and so real, but that's really how songs are written. It's an idea. And then you get all these other people coming in and having their points of view and, you know, building on it. And it makes you change your point of view also after point of view, after point of time, because like you're, you're just so like, you know, inspired by whatever the hell is happening around you. And so you're talking about like that, that part, that, that creation, that, that time in your band where you enjoyed it the most, where it was about the music. Then you go on to playing some big tours, some big festivals. I was there at the festivals. I am seeing the crowds. I am seeing the reaction. You're at like, I won't say peak, but you're on your way to like now establishing yourself. So like, where does it go from there? Do you hit a brick wall? In, I mean, is, is there some, some point where it doesn't progress beyond that? I mean, no, it can always progress. It can always get bigger. But, you know, the thing is, the most important thing is that that part of it isn't what, I mean, yes, that's what you're working for, but that's not what you, why you do it. You know, you do it for the sheer turn on you get when, like, you have an idea and another musician. It's a convers. Music is a conversation. It's just we our language is guitar notes, melodies, and and when that convers, it's like a good conversation. When that go gets going, you you just don't, you know, you don't care if they're like twenty thousand people or two people. Well, At from, that point, from the, from the outside, it seemed like one festival every month to like every festival. And there were times when he was sort of gone every weekend during season time. So it kind that kind of escalated pretty fast after 
they got into the circuit. No, it gives sense. you it, 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 it gives you a false it gives you a false impression of being successful. To be honest, because I mean, at least in my band, I can tell you that I'm not going to name it, <laughs> but there were people who you know thought they hit the big time, and you know, the big time doesn't mean you're bigger than the music. Okay, so I see something I've wanted to know. It's something that I want to know from your end. You've been through it. I want to get into the business of music. That's always, I mean, you 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 see how uh, musicians have been exploited. The they don't really see the financial upside of things. And at the end of the day, me as a consumer, I'm consuming your music. Why aren't you really seeing? I go buy your CD or your cassette back in the day, and why why aren't you guys seeing the upside? What is this? What is the the organogram or or what's the how do, what's the root with money in music from from a consumer to the artist? It's it's easy to bash the labels, and I can tell you, I bashed fuck out of all the labels because you know they made me change lyrics to my song. They never paid me a rupee of law. I still haven't been paid one rupee of royalty from HMB, Saregama, Saregama, not HMB, whatever. Not one. I shut down that bank account. Couldn't be bothered. I think a couple of years back, Nissan, the, uh, who played bass in the Supersonic, he kind of messaged them and he said, "Oh, sorry, but you know our contract was like, you know, you got to give us money from your gigs, which we did because we have to pay for your producer and your studio time, even though they are." And it was a fucked up contract. And we took it to lawyers. They were like, "Never sign this," but we signed it. And you know what? Today, if I look back, I signed it again because. What other option do you have? Yeah, what other option do you have? And you know what? I think about it. Jala, you remember this? We went to Bombay right after maybe Baking was released, and we were eating at a KFC. And you told me, "Fuck, they're playing like you know Supersonic song at KFC." That's what. That's where it is. Suddenly, you know, you're eating your fried chicken, and you know, you got like some like Indian indie. So you know. The, the model for like growth, like a chance for Indian musicians would be like, why don't you like all those ads, those shitty ads with shitty jingles? Let's not have shitty jingles. Let's put in like you know, there's this whole make in India process. Why don't we just get like Indian fucking musicians making the music rather than have stock shit or some pre-conceived idea of what the song should be? Put that shit there and direct them to the streaming platform because you know. I, I hate to say it. I've come to a place where I've had to do a jingle right now, and I, that jingle that I've done has been playing in between overs of every cricket match that's been happening, and it's got like some like I don't know some six eight million views, and you know I'm got like it's all over, and and people like the jingle, and they're like, oh, what's the song? You know, can you share the jingle? What is the jingle? Can you tell us what jingle it is? I'm never gonna tell you. Sing it, sing it, sing it. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that. No, but but that that's isn't that isn't that an issue already? That it's that mindset of no, your mindset that oh, if somebody does jingles or somebody is doing musical scores, it's it's selling out, and they're not doing what they actually. If I tell you what I was thinking about, it will give away. But like, essentially, when you're trying to sell something in music. You are selling out, man. No, music's not about that. I mean, my twenty-one-year-old would be very, very upset with what I'm doing right now. But as of now, as a musician, you can't survive. How the fuck am I? Do do your ideals really supersede the fact that you need to eat and pay rent? No, it doesn't. 
So, you know, we have to do things we don't like doing. And that is really the life of an artist musician in India right now, because there's no fucking, you know, support system there for us. Haven't you musicians tried coming together, forming a union? I did. I, mean, I did. From- so it, back in the someplace else days, you know, we were being fucking conned like left, right and center pay for 2000 rupees as a band, you know? So I was like, you know, if we all just said, fuck off, man, we ain't gonna play for nothing. You know, they're not going to be able to do this. But there were some guys who were so hard up who said, no, we're not going to be part of that. And that's the problem. We're so hard up in this industry that we we can't afford to have a value system. I mean, come on, if you collectively bargain, you, 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 your ability to get some base It only level. takes one person to undercut you. So we did this. So we were like, you know, we're not going to play for less than 20,000 rupees for a six-piece band. <laughs> and then, so 10 bands say yes. And, you know, the client, whatever the, the money people are calling and finding out. And then they find one little kid who's going to be like, how do it for 5,000? And then that's the end of that. So who's, who's been able, in your mind, if anyone, to beat the system in India? Has there anybody, like, I don't know, like the pentagrams or parikramas who are considered the successful? I mean... The only ways they've made it is by doing commercial work. That's, that's the reality. I mean, I mean, they may like the commercial work they're doing and think that, you know, that's fine. You know, they are doing that. But I, 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 I personally really like, love the way Rakshat is doing his thing. You know, he plays in, you know, in Sky Rabbit, Yorchin. And he's kind of been composing and he struggled. He lived in Bombay. He's been living in Bombay for a year. Yeah, I used to manage him. I used to manage Rakshat for a couple of... I mean, it's not like I managed him too much. Didn't do much work. But he's a phenomenal guy. And I'm a massive fan. You know, and, and he, there's something very refined about Rakshat, man. It's, uh, it's his yeah, music you also. guys should get him on the show. Not the wrong guy. I know. Show. I think I think Sky Rabbit's another f- fantastic band, and they have been for fantastic some Fantastic band. Yeah, yeah. So you know, because he comes from that whole thing about creating a song, a track. I like that. I'm I'm not into this fucking circle jerk of guitar wanking, man. That's fucking boring as shit, man. That's why I ran away from Cal. It's now become this whole thing in the name. What does of that mean? Cal. What What does that mean? Well, for instance, I, your band is named after the guitar player, so-and-so trial, so-and-so quintet. He's a fucking guitar player, dude. Stay in the fucking shadows, man. That's the fucking you are. You ain't fucking singing. You ain't ran the fucking song. Stay in the shadows and play your little 20-second guitar solo and be happy. No. What we got to fucking endure is like a 20-fucking-minute drum solo. The fuck, man? That's not fucking <laughs> Oh, so 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 everybody's using it as in or, or their own personal audition or their own personal. No, it's showcase. because it's because there's no one really doing anything, and you know now in the name of jazz, basically it's a circle jerk. Basically, I know. So now they're gonna form a blues band. You know why people form a lot of blues bands? There's only three fucking chords in the fucking song. So like you know, oh, it's gonna be like, oh yeah, now. Guitar player, take a solo. Keyboard player, take a solo. It doesn't matter about three chords. Drummer, take a solo. At this point, you think, is this fucking blues or is this a fucking, like, you know, guitar <laughs> shred, whatever fucking exercise? Man. It's fucking boring, man. It's boring. 
It's boring. I, 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 I'm, I'm not saying this as music. I'm bored. I ran away from that crap, man. I can't deal with that. Oh. I mean, it's, you know, there should be everything for everyone. But I want like a little song. I want a little dance. I want a little melody. I want some words that ring true, that make me feel at that time, at that place. And you know what? The best thing about music is that the musicians aren't God on stage. The musicians are only as good as the people who come and listen to them. And that's a dialogue that happens between music. And it's a codependent, completely symbiotic relationship, which is amazing. That's what you should be chasing. I, if I had to fucking see a monkey fucking bend a string for like six hours, I could see some Asian <laughs> kid on YouTube fucking going for it, man. At six years old, why do I need to see an aging Bengali fucking doing that and like <laughs> thinking he's fucking like the blues, man? It's not. <laughs> some of those kids are phenomenal yeah I, why would I go fucking for a gig while I'm trashed or whatever and, you know and then like see this guy like ripping on pentatonics followed at the end by a drum solo really drum solo wait 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 have you, have you ever read in the billboard charts a drum solo being number five any song with a drum I thought maybe Moby Dick but wait wait isn't 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 in the air tonight that's not a full drum solo, but no, it's a drum part. That's <laughs> really that's a good drum solo. They're not solos; they're parts. Okay. Imagine. I, I like honestly a- wish uh, our listeners could have looked at what Jhala just did when like, <laughs> we released oh, wow. we released that part of the video. Wow. Every t- every no, no, one second. So, what you guys are saying is this: so something is going wrong in the process because there is no dearth of musical talent in this country. No, there's no dirt of musical talent. They're all supreme. Yeah, you know what the problem is? They don't have an engine to fucking play to. You know, like, you need a song. There are no songwriters. They're great music, great guitar players, great drummers, great singers, all of that. But, you know, they don't have a song to play on. Songwriting is the most underlooked part of music in this country. But that is actually the most valued thing. If you think about it, most of the Billboard Top 100 shit is written by like a bunch of songwriters. And then, you know, some hot trick or guy is like prancing around singing it. But that, that, that creation of that song, to create that canvas, that's the most important thing. Because no guitar solo is going to be good without a good song to play on. No vocal delivery is going to be good if they don't have any, a good song to sing. So this is like kind of, you know, if you don't have that, it's just boring. So what, what's the gap? How do you fix that? How do we get songwriters in this country? How do we get people thinking about that more? Well, for starters, an acknowledgement that that the thing is that a lot of the way music stands right now is that there isn't too much thought really about songs. People aren't interested in songs. We have electronic music right now, which has nothing to do with songs. It's about sound and that's kind of big. There's rap, and it's not my thing, but you know, Keith Richards said a lot of words and too little said. I think there's something there. Too many words, too little said. Yeah. I think I think rap is an insanely unique form of expression as well. No, whatever, sure, it is. It is, but I I mean I'm bored because you know, there's no melody really for me. And I don't even like relate to the lyrics. Very honestly, for me actually, rap music. I'm not in a hood. I don't fucking belong to the east side, west side. I can barely fucking like, eat my rice. My, I'm Bengali. 
I eat fish <laughs> and in the afternoon. You think I fucking like have hoes, bitches, and like fucking gold chains around? No, it's. I can't. I can't wait to play you a six-hour grime set. <laughs> Sometimes. But, but I, I think a lot of the rap. No, but a lot of the rap is not about relate relatability, but more about aspiration. It's the people who want to have the gold chains and the bitches by their side and the fancy cars, and they're like, "Oh man, these rap guys are cool, man." I that's like what that. if if that's what you aspire to be. You have other problems. <laughs> <laughs> what what are what are your aspirations? I would like uh, my aspiration. Very honestly, is like if I could like sustain doing my shit. I think that's I think that's the most important thing, right? Like, how what is the definition of success? It's not really money. It's about being able to. Do what you love doing in the most truest and purest way. Yes, money is required for that, but like, it's not it for sure. And you know, you need people who aren't chasing fame, aren't chasing money, aren't chasing bitches or gold chains. It's like they need to really want to make the music that they love or feel like they need to emote, and that they get affected by, man, and that people who listen to it. They feel something. Yeah, that's all. What it, at this this profession is all about moving people, making people feel, making people have a memory, a moment. That's what a song is. That's what a piece of music is. You know. You know. We all identify with songs to a part of our past, to a special moment, to a special person, a special memory, and that's the. You know, money can't buy that. You can't to get to that place. You really have to, you know, kind of say that I don't really want all of those things. It's a hard, hard place to be. Did Did you ever like when when you were doing that when when you were making music like you said for yourself and something to move you? Did you ever have self doubt or fear? I live in self doubt. I think I'm I'm shit. I know I'm shit. Really, if I really think about all the people that I admire and love, I definitely am shit. Okay, but at the same time, you know. That hasn't stopped anyone from making shit <laughs> anyway. So you know, all I can say is that I hope my shit can move you. And you know, with the Supersonics, at least, and the best part of it has been like people like being like, you know, the song I proposed to my future wife with the song of husband. You know, we met at your gig, and that's the stuff that's kind of right now. I can look back and say that's real. You know, it wasn't. That's the most rewarding part of the entire journey. You know, because at the end of the day, we just want to like move and connect with other people. I'm gonna make myself a drink. I need a refill. But anyway, I remember this Blue Fog gig when Jala came on stage. I don't know. He's gone for a leak, but it was ridiculous. He sang Yeah, whatever at Blue Frog. That was a really? fun. Really? Yeah. That was oh, a fun. Cool. There were there were fifty people on stage. It was quite oh. fun, actually. Yeah, everybody you know, came on stage. I had a band when I was sixteen. It was called Acid Bass. Really, <laughs> I was the world's worst bass player. And sometimes acid dub- bass. I like that name. <laughs> do you? Wow! I should tell the boys. These are some of my childhood friends, and and we we used to jam at my friend's empty apartment that his parents had, and. It was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. I think you. Why did you stop playing? Why did you stop playing bass? I was really shit. I was just shit. I wouldn't practice enough. I thought I was the rock and roll king before I I really learned my instrument. 
Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's the bit that I think Mamshi has been teaching these kids in school, like uh, Future Hope, and I think that's the predominant problem with teenagers. Okay, they they've arrived before they have. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm I'm a prime example of that. <laughs> no, But uh, your band, Acid Base, was the name of his band. Whose? Clarence. <laughs> You're up and roller. Yeah, dude. It was a I was a bassist, and yeah, it was hey, shit. Better. Four strings don't bore us. Get to the chorus. <laughs> like kind, not very, but like you know, my folks aren't very Bengali, but their relatives are. And frankly speaking, when I started playing in a pub at the age of sixteen, I was the black. I have always been the black sheep. Oh, oh, pub, a vaja, a dirty fucking. You know, you're a bad boy. You know, at the age of sixteen, he's around drugs, women, booze, and drugs. Really, yeah. you What's wish that? you were there, man. You fucking. But that's but that's but that's been rock and roll through the ages. It's always been oh, it's the, no. the work work of the devil. It's the work of the devil, and they're like India's in the sports conservative convert the uh, conservatism that like we can't like get out, you know. And you know, at the end of the day, I know enough non-veg people who are part of veg families and hide and eat non-veg. Let's that's- definitely not name those names. <laughs> 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 I mean, it's crazy in Bombay, in Villeparle, you have buildings where you're not allowed to order non-veg food. You can't fucking I, I order food me, and eat at home. She told me like she got kicked out of her house because she cooked an egg in there. But like, really? Jesus. Like, I mean, this is the same people who were like beating their women and like fucking. You don't know that, Mamshi. I mean, pretty, <laughs> if you if you're not <laughs> eating meat, you probably are. <laughs> Well, I went vegetarian for a year, or not a year, maybe a little less. But yeah, I, but I just it's not forever. This, no, but I had this hunger in me. It's like I was hungry for eight months till I didn't eat that that meat. Flesh, you're craving flesh. Yeah, yeah. man, I, it just wasn't satisfied. It wasn't satiated. Minalni, how how over the years, how have you fended off the many groupies that have come and clawed at Mamshi's ankles? Who said I have? <laughs> Uh, I don't do that shit. Fending is not my style. About that, should we we should have a conversation about that. Firstly, love is something, okay, and sex is something else. I think it's about time the human race now. Menani's been shooting me on the side, but we need to. <laughs> we need to. We really need to kind of, you know, it, 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 it's not real if you get into whatever marriage. And the guy is going to Thailand to fuck every hooker, and you know, okay, definitely edit this. Okay. Yeah, oh, it's no, not. No, that's not real. That's not yeah. real. Yeah, Because I mean that's half of happening. India. That's half of and India. And they're lit. Yeah, it's happening in India. Most men are cheating, losing, fucking idiots. Okay, and you know the women have been like put into such a place where they have to be accepting. But my point of view in this entire thing is that. You should be free to do what you want. If you really love someone, it transcends all of that. And you really love someone. Yeah, you know, love is not about sex. But I, I am totally with you on the concept of it all. But it's a very, it's, it's easier said than done. When there's always one person who's a little bit maybe more emotionally affected by something like that than no, the other person. No, if there's one person more emotionally affected, you cannot. Batter them emotionally with that, then you have to change your ways if it means that much. But if you find someone who sees it the same way as you do, okay, 
then it is not a question of battling it. It's a question of, you know, well, that's just part of it. It's like eating vanilla ice cream yesterday and chocolate ice cream today. <laughs> like some girls, huh? Yeah, you know. <laughs> Yeah, look at Mick Jagger. <laughs> Who's given him grief? <laughs> like, uh, Mick Jagger went on a date with my mother. You look a lot like him. No, I, I don't I, have. I, <laughs> no, I, no, no wonder all this musical talent when I'm at karaoke, everyone's like, oh my God. Yeah, that's where it I've tried, from. by the way, Shanks, I've tried many times over the years to try and be part of Mamshi's band, backing vocals, some vocals. He's told, me, he's told me to learn bass guitar. He said that's the easiest Come, I'll teach. I'll teach you. Yeah, bass guitar is great, and actually, it's the most fun job because it is a fun. It, it is a fun instrument. It's amazing. You get to groove and play melody, and you don't have to. And you don't have to be at the front of the stage getting the abuses. Like if the band sucks, it's the vocalist, it's the guitar player, but not the bass player. No one says like the band sucked because of the bass player. Man. Ever, <laughs> like, ever. Yeah. But it truly did. But, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I could be in a band and be in the background. Yeah, because because you're not into being in a band. You're being into the foreground. We need to show the stuff. <laughs> you're, you're a hype man, not a not Truly a front man. Truly frightening. Truly yeah. frightening. So, Bamshi, I I have a few questions. I think I wanna I wanna know a few things from from your perspective. The indie music scene right now. Who are the bands you're most excited to listen to? Who do you think uh, are some of the good ones out there? Over and above the the guys you've mentioned. I'm talking like bands and, and rock and roll bands. So that's the problem in the Indian music scene right now. There are no bands. It's about consistency, right? Like you've got to be around. You've got to keep putting out music. You've got to be a band for a considerable amount of time. I'm, my band couldn't do that. Every time we released an album, we tour behind it and break up on the tour. So we released Maybe Baking. We were on a UK tour and we never spoke to anyone. And then when things were all getting big, we broke up. Then we got back again and then released an album. And then while we were touring for that album, we broke up again. And see, the thing with the Super Science was at the end of the day, we were really good friends. It's a, like, it's a marriage. It's a relationship. It really is. I've, I've said this before also, but we started when we were really young. We were kids. We never, we never had plans of becoming rich. We, our only plan was like, we're going to fucking bring rock and roll to India. That was our plan. That was the only. And then when things got big, certain people thought that they were bigger than that. And egos came in and friendships started getting frayed. And, you know, when you're really thick with someone, when someone does something that offends you, it hurts even more. And you take it badly even more. And you read into it even more. So it's it's maybe trope and kind of rock and roll, kind of whatever it is. It's cliche, but it's true. Like, you know, when you're, because playing music together isn't just about playing together. It's about putting your entire life into that, your time, your dreams, your passion, your hard work, your opportunities you, you throw away. And when you put that much into something, it also takes very little for it to get Roger. So, so you know, with the Supersonics, you know, we were all brothers and then we weren't. And we, some of us have found a way to 
still, you know, be good. But there's some things that you can't really change anymore um, or correct or fix. And it's sad. It's my greatest tragedy in my life. We were just a little band from Calcutta. So, you know, we'd never seen successes and heights of Beatles or any really big band. So at the end of the day, it was four of us kind of, you know, in this in this journey. And yeah, there were regrets. There were regrets. I've lost some very close friends because of that. I have. It's a, it's a sad taste. And hopefully, I don't know, man, I, I, time heals all, I suppose. And maybe there's a day you guys can see past this and, and get together. Maybe, or... but probably not. No last dance? <laughs> you know, we, tr- we try every once in a while. You know, it was like the 10-year anniversary of maybe baking. We kind of tried to, like, mobilize something. And if there's some fundamental issues of where you come from and why you do what you do and... If people have changed, evolved, grown into other things, it's hard to kind of, you know, bring it back to where you were 10 years back and say that, why don't we do it for the sake of that? It doesn't work like that. Yeah, it yeah, really yeah. doesn't. You're doing it for the wrong reasons then, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's not you're like cool. I, think, I think you need to give him a hug. <laughs> no, I, I, mean, I, I think this has been accepted. This is coming from a place of acceptance more than like, um, no, but it, you can you can feel that it's it's straight out of his heart, and then you know, like while you were just narrating this whole story, I mean, I I could feel. No, that. I mean, not taking names. I, I lost a really good friend in the midst of it. I, I I'm not sure if we, you know, if we didn't play music together, if we would still be like that. But you know, that that it's it's it's, it's a it's a weird place, you know, because everyone is invested, everyone has expectations, everyone wants something. And when things happen, and it doesn't maybe happen the way you imagined it, you know, it, it brings about a lot of shit that, you know, has nothing to do with the music. So it's it's a codependency. Co- codependency. There's a there's a yeah, because everyone's expectations have to be aligned. That's insane to even think about. It's yeah, already enough exactly. to have your own dreams and aspirations exactly, and exactly. And then to align exactly with everyone else. Is with everyone else, from people come from different backgrounds, different ideas of success, of what it should be, how it should be. It's really hard, man. That's why I think the biggest problem in India is culturally, we don't have this whole thing about, you know, bands and like people like playing, you know, if someone, you know, quits a band or you have a bad time, you fire the guitar player or the drummer. You know, we never did that in the super science. It was a very thought out thing. Is that because we are what we are as the four of us, you know, and if you take one out, you can't replace it, no matter how good you are, because there's an energy, there's a vibe that happens with that sort of set of people doing that. And that's the problem in India, because right now, if there's a musician in the band who's got another gig for more money, he ain't going to play your gig or give you studio time or come for rehearsal. And you can't blame him because he needs the money. Everyone needs the money, really, you know, in this field. I mean, if you, if you think about the amount of time a musician puts into producing an album, you're looking at rehearsal time, which is hours and hours. You're looking at studio time. You're looking at the cost of buying instruments and gear. You're looking at forming that chemistry yeah and all of that together works out to and all of that for like probably like 
a couple of your friends like Jala will say your shit all the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, we were talking actually Jala and me were having a conversation about this man about whether whether making music for a musician is it really work? Is it is it are you just No, it's not work. About- it's not work. We don't do what we do because it's work. We do it because it's our drug. It's it's an addiction. Okay? It's a it's a way of life. Our life it gives us purpose, it gives us meaning, it gives us motivation, it gives us joy. You know, it's, it's I mean, all that. What, not, what, what else would you do if you didn't have music now, right? Like, I can't. You know, I've sold charity on the streets of New York. I've waited tables. I'm doing jingles now, you know, because I have to. <laughs> you know, it's fucking hell. Sell, but, selling charities in the streets of New York, I think he lasted one, one day. <laughs> <laughs> one week. Yeah, yeah, one, week. one second, one second. Were you like those evangelists out out in he had, a, he, had a, he had a uniform and a clipboard. My god. This is at the height of supersonic success, also. You, you can what? imagine what your ego fucking takes, you know, like you're like God, and then next minute, like people are like, fuck off, don't talk to me. Why the fuck you come to charity? I mean, what was the thought process? Why the hell were you doing that? You had to make some money. I mean, I have to, I have to bring this back to to the now and the here and today and and the pandemic. I mean, things were pretty bleak before this pandemic happened, but now that hospitality and the entertainment industry is just taking a proper battering, where where do you think this is going to go? How is a musician supposed to make a living now? There's nothing bleak about it because I just read an article today where Fender, who are like one of the biggest guitar makers, have said that. This pandemic period has seen the biggest sales growth in a time where guitar music was thought to be dead in the last 15 to 20 years. Okay. So, you know, I think this pandemic has made everyone kind of realize what's important and, you know, what is real, what are the things we want to invest our time in and really appreciating the things that we've taken for granted all this time. So there is a plus to that, man. I, I think so. But during the pandemic, no, it's fucking the worst time for musicians. Musicians are fucked all over. We don't have anyone like, you know, helping us out, giving us a break. No, it's not. We can't play. We can't make, you know, musicians since Napster, musicians were fucked because the only way they can make money is really by playing live gigs. Those days of making an album and then sitting on royalties and Oh, that's done. That's done. And in a way, you know, I was speaking to Karn about this yesterday. I was like, you know, I've done that whole thing of going with the label, signing a label, a big thing, maybe selling out. And, you know, I had to give gig money, sold the rights of my songs, all of that. And then I'm, and then the second album I made was completely independent. Well, it wasn't complete. We had Red Bull, who was fucking amazing. Like, sponsoring that shit and paying for it but at the same time you know if i had to like look back i wouldn't have been in that position if i never signed that deal and i actually think back in the day when you had a label someone paid you a shitload of money took care of your marketing took care of all the bullshit all you had to do was do your thing and you had to work to get to that space but that's fine because that's the journey But right now, you could work, get to that space, and you'll still be lost because you're not you too. You're not 
you know, fucking a famous band and on a streaming platform, you're lost. You're lost. Like, who the fuck? If, if I release my solo album, who the fuck's going to listen to it? Really? No one. So, in response to why anyone should pick up a guitar or a pencil or anything that artistic or creative, I think, is because it's an escape. I mean, could you go through COVID without music or films to watch on Netflix? Exactly, or, exactly. Or, you know, exactly. And, and it's really, I mean, I don't think everyone who picks up the guitar thinks that they're going to be successful or good at it. Or, But I think it, it provides you some solace, which, uh, which you can't get. I mean, some people do it by working out to each his own, okay? It's not like... This is the only no, way. But, but, but music, music is universal, man. There's not a single uh, person is, on the planet. I mean, I not mean, to first, be biased. The first thing that you hear when you, when you have a consciousness is your heartbeat. And it's rhythm, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, no, and, and, so, and so actually that's a brilliant way to just bring it all together. Because now, Mamshi, you actually teach kids. You've got like students. You have like 40 students. You teach guitar. So what do you tell them? Like... Is, is the message, okay, don't do it because think, it's not working? I think I mean, at, at least at this time, I think something like a guitar is amazing. You're locked up, okay? You've got nothing to do. You're, you're paranoid. You're scared. You know, it's depressing. And, you know, I used guitar like this back in the day. I was a loner in school. I was a foul-mouthed runt who wasn't really popular in school. And I, I kind of found my hideaway in guitar because it's a lot of repetitive practice it's a lot of hard work but every time you achieve okay you can actually physically see yourself doing things that you couldn't think was possible and that is such a great feeling i think that in itself is the greatest drug where you feel that that good you know just creating making or there's a physical, you strum a chord and it sounds right. And there's an instant reaction within you. There's a tangible um, product at the end of that hard work. And it's great. That's what I, I, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't tell them to think of it as a career choice. If I had to, if I had my kid, I'd find before the fucker could walk, I'd hand him a cricket bat and fucking say, just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right now, right, removing my uterus. Right now, <laughs> right now, let's uh, all take a pause and think about Mamshi's kids mucking about this universe. Too think late, uterus it. gone. <laughs> <laughs> I think the lesson that we really got from this episode, at least what I've got, is if you're doing it. Do it for yourself. Do it for the craft. Do it for the love of for it. For sure, yeah. Do it has nothing to do with music. And that's wherever, with wherever, wherever it takes you, man. That's just a bonus. That's that's a that's yeah. the journey. that's the ride that you go along with. Yeah, yeah, but man. Don't think about a career and success ten years down the line because that's gonna that it's that hope that's gonna kill you. I think. Yeah, it does. And, and you know what? I I I'd be lying if I said that musicians don't have that hope. They do have that hope. You know, we all have that hope. We, you know, I've had plans of an island and, you know, making rock and roll the thing in India. And we all do. And, you know, that is a very motivational thing in the entire thing. But it wasn't it. At the end of the day, my best experiences of being a musician in India has been playing music at the end of the day. I look back and my best moments are rehearsals some gigs where something magical happened, you know, 
um, being in a studio for the first time, learning the ways of the studio, learning how to, you know, make an album, make a record, you know, I mean, that shit, like, you know, you can't, you, you, you can't buy that. Those are experiences that happen if you're really into that journey. So. Uh, and as a, as a songwriter once put it, everything is as everything should be. <laughs> <laughs> That's from Marshi Sorgya, whatever. Guys, I think this has been a fantastic episode. Shanks has got his uh, work cut out to uh, edit some of this down. But, but thank oh, you. Man, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to this edit. Thank you, Marshi. Thank you, Manali. That's been a really good conversation. I think this has been like a real, real conversation after a while. And I already know the title of this uh, episode as well. Not, what is name, it? not naming names. That's <laughs> what I'm going to cut. No, it should be, why would I? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but on, on, a, on a farewell note, I, I hope we do get to see a last dance from the Supersonics someday when you guys are able to see past everything that's already been. Man, even, even now when friends are over and I play that for them, they're just like, People are wowed, man. They're like, this is just some- for the sound, just for the music. I think you guys were real. As soon as I heard this track, we were contemplating. It's the problem of ha- like talking to friends and family. It's just like <laughs> the, something, the, the circle jerk that you were talking about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're all the most handsome boys to our mums. Yeah, you yeah, know, exactly. of course. I don't think my mom thinks that either. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely stuff, man. Thank you very much for joining us. Alright, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Hail Satan! Hail Satan!